Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject today, Adam and Fallen Man, which will be much more interesting than you may think. <laughs> we're, we're glad you all could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. We welcome you all. We will start with our morning prayer. This is a prayer for oneself on page 63 of Divinity Course and General Collectania, otherwise known as the Blue Book. I thank thee, Father, Mother, God, that neither ignorant, fraudulent, nor malicious mortal mind can reach me or affect me mentally, physically, financially, or otherwise. And I know it, for God is the only power, that I am not the victim of aggressive mental suggestion, nor the target of malicious animal magnetism, claiming to operate through any channel whatever. But I am the blessed legal child of God, spiritual, immortal, all harmonious, perfect, happy, healthy, pure, sinless, free, and fearless, and diseaseless, and deathless, expressing the substance of all good. Hold yourself constantly and consciously under God's eternal law of blessing, of happiness, harmony, health, peace, joy, power, progress, protection, abundance. There is no other law, only a contrary mortal mind lie, which you are awake and alert to, and not under. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Good treatment. Okay, our watching point. Watch number 274. March rescues tried to use Christian science to sidestep pain and suffering. Rather, should you use it to fortify your understanding and courage, so that when these conditions confront you, you will not seek to avoid them, but you will rise up and meet them, and thus overcome them. An advanced understanding of science brings this rule. But we have got to learn to stand up under error scientifically for the sake of purification, stabilization, and preparation for future responsibilities. Wisdom should teach us never to pray to have an error removed. We should pray for the faith, courage, and understanding to stand before us until we lose our fear of it and believe in it. Then it will disappear. On page 143 of Miss O'Neill, you read, when these things cease to bless, they will cease to occur. Thank you. Okay. All right. Any comments on that? Don't sidestep pain. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sidestep it. It's actually, we are only 
to to know the powerlessness of all this and the nothingness of it. This way, you can use the same thinking for the next time anything ungodlike crops up. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it complemented last week's watch well, too. You know, because it, again, it made me think of that idea of flexing my muscle and just, you know, if you don't stand up to it, you'll eventually get buried by it. It will, it will just cover you up. I mean, the standing up to it is the, it is the, you know, like Mrs. Eddie says, rise in the strength of spirit to resist all that is unlike good. Thank you very much. Yep. You can't run from the problems, not in your head, not in your life. You can't think you're going to escape something. Um, you know, people think that moving or other things, they're going to live in some place that's so much better than someplace else. You, you take it with you. It's in your thought. Uh, you've got to meet it there. Can you imagine being in a math class, being taught all this stuff, and then when the test comes, you run away from it? <laughs> right. right. That's a good example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I also, can you hear me better now? We can, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Um, in this lady, when these things cease to bless, they cease to occur. I that reminds me that all these suggestions that come are really just a, they're only blessings really if we really look at them that way and not fear them that it's just uh, a blessing in disguise so to speak then then we learn to be more grateful for them and just know that it's just a, another opportunity to strengthen our trust and faith in God Good. Thank you. Very important. Absolutely. That's a key. A key when you can get to that point. You don't run from it, but see it as a blessing to learn. Um, take the test again. See how you do this time. I, I do. I quote Mrs. Eddie a lot. When these things cease to bless, they will cease to occur. When people keep seeming to have the same thing crop up, it's because they haven't gotten the problem right yet. You got to keep working it out until you get it right. And what did Paul say about infirmities? I think he was infirmities. <laughs> Delight in infirmities. Why? Because they force yeah. you closer to God. Because really, it's a it's a upside down look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Thank you. And if you see it as a blessing, then you will cease to fear it so much. It's this fear that gets everybody running, and and that only adds to the problem. You've got to c- calm down and know the truth. Always be knowing the truth. Um, and I love that. We, we should pray for faith, courage, and understanding. First time I read this watching point, I was rather blown away by it because, gosh, I never prayed for that. I only prayed to get rid of this problem. Again, that... <laughs> Turns, turns things around. You're not focused on the problem. You're focused on what things you need to learn. And we all need to learn more of God's goodness. And so, we, as we say here, it's always a, a difficulty. We're always, it's from glory to glory, not from problem to problem. 
in the, in the human, they seem to go from problem to problem. The problems increase because you never meet the problem. So they just seem to get bigger until you, as Lenny was saying, you get buried by it if you're not careful. So meet it now. Meet it on a daily basis. Get it when it's a serpent, not when it's the red dragon. And what does Mrs. Eddie say about trials? So take them in that way. And in that, in this, it says we have to lose our fear of it and belief in it. That word belief, and I, I spoke about this in on Wednesday because fairly read from People's Idea of Good that um, mental science alone grasps the standard of liberty and battles for man's whole rights divine as well as human, it assures us of a verity that mortal beliefs and not a law of nature have made men sinning and sick, that they alone have fettered free limbs and marred in mind the model of man. And then, I didn't have this, but I love this definition Mrs. Eddy gives of belief, or actually it's, a, it's of animal magnetism, which is on page 176 of Watch's Prayers and Arguments. Animal magnetism is starting a belief and getting others to fear it <laughs> until evil is done to those that hold the belief and a law is made. And the error goes on gaining ground until the serpent becomes a dragon. That is so wonderful. Think of it. This is what the nameless nothing was about, right? Started a belief. You get everybody else to be afraid of it by putting it all in the news and oh my gosh, until evil is done to those that hold the belief. So then you think, oh, look what it's doing. My gosh, it's true. It's really doing all these horrible things. And then a law is made. It's not God's law, is it? It's a, a human fake law. And then it keeps gaining ground until the serpent becomes a dragon. All the other beliefs, too, right? I feel. Mm -hmm. All so of many them. of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that beautiful uh, story from Anita Origin or something like that and Dying to Be Me, where she realized that this is what actually killed her, but it really didn't kill her because nothing can kill you because you're, <laughs> you're a divine idea of God. So do watch your beliefs. What do you think is true? And then go back. There, It's not true. And that definition is one to know and work with because it just wipes it all out. And you can apply it in any kind of belief. People start believing it and fearing it. And, of course, in the case of the nameless nothing, I mean, the pharmaceutical company, they're laughing all the way to the bank, aren't they? And then everyone puts all their trust in the in the medical. Well, the hell you say. <laughs> we're not going there. And we're going to fight. We're going to fight till the end on this. We're not budging. We know science heals. We know science is the answer. And we're not going to give in to the medical and Gary wants to say something. He's scratching his chin. <laughs> well, and, and, and the great red dragon becomes a great red dragon by having people will create organizations to perpetuate the lie. Right? 
Like who, right? Yes, <laughs> like the World Health who? Organization. They just grow and they perpetuate the lie. And now all these uh, believers of the lie want to give who more power so they can govern sovereign nations in what they would, in whenever they would call an emergency. And believe me, they will create emergencies just to exercise their power. They take charge of everything. They want to. Yeah, and, and the whole world has, has to be vaccinated or whatever else they want. That's where we stand our ground. We're not going to allow this. We be as feisty as needed. And mentally, mentally so, and in other ways as God directs you. So now I have something very interesting that Parthens sent, you know, dear Parthens. Um, we don't hear from him often, but he's around. So he sent this. President Hoover was to be at King's Mountain Battlefield in North Carolina for a ceremony. A few days before this was to take place, a Secret Service man interested in Christian science discovered a plot to assassinate the president. He stopped off in Asheville to contact Miss Jones and failing to reach her, gave the information to her sister Emily. With the urgent request for Miss Jones to do special prayerful work, and Miss Jones wrote of this experience. And um, this refers to, it's from the memoirs of Elizabeth Earl Jones, an early Christian science worker. I know that name's familiar. My sister and I shut ourselves in our room and worked the four hours that the president was in our state. We did nothing but work. While we were working, we both seemed to feel overwhelmed with the most terrific sense of load and burden. It was almost crushing in its cruel weight, but we worked on it until we felt it lift. We handled hate, hypnotism, criticism, propaganda, confusion of human opinions, confusion of human influences, prejudices, etc. It lifted as we worked until we could feel the burden was upon God's shoulders, as was the government. Meanwhile, at the battlefield, appropriate security steps were being taken and all went well. The morning after the president returned to Washington, his private secretary gave an interview to the Associated Press in which he said how much the president had enjoyed his visit to North Carolina and how rested and refreshed he felt from his brief trip south. Then the secretary asked the, pre asked the president, hmm, said that the president said since his return, he felt the lifting of a crushing load that descended upon him when he took the oath of office. And this is the first time in two years that he had any relief from it. <clears throat> I give credit to the Secret Service for protecting the president, Miss Jones said in her closing narrative. And Christian science went farther and lifted this weight as nothing else could. Now, last week. You did? Huh. Yeah, I was telling you. I told you. Okay. Oh, you did? Huh. Yeah, about Elizabeth Jones, anyway. Okay. Well, anyway, yes. Well, thank you. And thank you, Parthens. I thought that was 
a wonderful example of how prayer heals and how our prayers on our watches and the prayers we all do individually, we don't even know all the results of that, as we say, but it, it it's working. It's working in receptive thoughts. We got to know this because, my goodness, the headlines are not good. <laughs> we have to know, too. Our country, we're in a war. This is a war. It's a war to take over a country. These things that are happening are totally abnormal. They're not. Uh, it's a different kind of war, but it's a war. And uh, so this is why you... As we talked last week, you put on your garments, your oil, knowing the 91st Psalm. You praise God, keep your gratitude high, and wherever you go, you radiate love, and you're, you're a blessing, a healing presence wherever you go. With a sword in one hand. Yes. And, and a tool and, in and, the other. And the science in the other. Yeah. And why we don't sidestep <clears throat> We do not sidestep it. We do not run from it, but we face it, and we know what's going on. We're not naive. We we know what's going on, and we can hit it hard, just as Elizabeth Jones did. I, I just read a sentence in the blue book in the, in the preference the other day that um, seemed appropriate. It said, in calling on students to watch faithfully with her, Mrs. Eddy put them on their honor that they would spend the hour in no other way. So I just really like that. <laughs> yes. You're risking dishonor. Right. Thank you. And and that's one of the reasons why we do this call-ins for our watches. It's it's like a uh, accountability that you're going to do it. You're going to sit here and you're going to really work together in unity. And that's the greatest power in the world that work together in unity and um, don't underestimate it and Mrs. Eddy put great emphasis on it don't just oh well it's nothing no I can do it myself no 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 you're missing out on a huge responsibility and and as Jeremy just said in a way you're dishonoring this is a great honor and privilege to do this it's the greatest work to do if you do nothing else during your day watch and pray Okay, and then this I thought was very interesting, too, from Anne in England. It's totally different. <clears throat> but she was reading the second volume of this set of three books by Doris Greckel about Mrs. Eddy. And to set the scene, Mr. Gilman, the artist, was working on Christ and Christmas with Mrs. Eddy in 1893 and related the following conversation with her. Mrs. Eddy is speaking, These rooms will be interesting to visitors after I'm gone. And then soon she added, I ought to be gaining the victory over death, hadn't I? That is what I've been preaching. I said what an immense work that would be. I then asked her, what constitutes the victory over death? Is it to live in this life perpetually? She said, no, at least not to the visible, at least not to be visible to mortals to much extent. We overcome death when we fully overcome material sense, and then it is not able to behold us because spirit is not appreciable to matter. I said, I suppose that in that stage of advancement, we shall still have a body that will be just as real to us as this body. And she said, not in a finite personal way. I said, I could not separate my thought, the idea of my identity from its embodiment in some form. And she said, 
That is true. Your identity will have its embodiment, but will not be finite in form and outline like this personal body. I think of our existence in that state more as we think of one who in some crisis rises to vigorous, noble action that is characteristic of that one's nature. We do not think of a person's body at such times, but of the force of the of mind, of the spiritual import. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting way of explaining things um, and how you just drop off the material earth weights. You still have a body, but it's not bounded by all the beliefs. Material accompaniment. Yeah, beliefs again, material beliefs. Um, and that you don't really have to, you're, you can just ascend truly as you gain more and more understanding of this. Just, and we should all be knowing that. You're on the eternal road to life that has no sense of death. So thank you to Parthens and Anne. Is that what they meant when you say all that Jesus came in, in the spirit? I, I would say... Yeah. Well, he was here on earth <laughs> with men, but his thought was with God. He his thought was not bounded by the materiality around him mm-hmm. that appeared to everybody else. Yeah. So they were they were distinguishing his state of thought from theirs. And then he did great things. Yeah. He did things that they didn't understand. <laughs> And he definitely didn't sidestep pain and suffering. He did not. No, because he beheld in science the perfect man. Yes. Yep. And I love this. It's on page 576 in Science and Health, the Apocalypse. The revelator was on our plane of existence while yet beholding what the eye cannot see. That which is invisible to the uninspired thought. This testimony of Holy Writ sustains the fact in science that the heavens and earth to one consciousness, that consciousness which God bestows, are spiritual, while to another, the unillumined mind, the vision, is material. This shows unmistakably that what the human mind terms matter and spirit <clears throat> indicates states and stages of consciousness. That's why I, I tell everyone to stay in the Father's house, to stay in that divine consciousness. Um, the Adam dream is a dream, isn't it? It's a dream. When you see all these things that are going on, they're states and stages of consciousness. And it would appear, what Mrs. Eddy says, the world is asleep, dreaming away the hours. Don't get pulled into the dream. If you saw someone lying on the couch, Mrs. Evans used to say this, having a nightmare, you wouldn't jump into the nightmare, would you, and start battling all the pretend foes the person thought they were seeing? You wouldn't do that, would you? What would you do? Wake them up. up. (laughs) Your pets. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) 
the dog has a bad dream, you wake him up. You wake him up. So this is true when we see these things, these nightmares going on. And they are nightmares. Good grief. It, it's, it's the Adam dream. And if you get pulled into it, start watching it on television and crying your eyes out over it, which is easy to do. <laughs> You're not, but it's not helpful. This is a waking up process. And this is your, your observing states and stages that are going on. Um, so we want to uplift, right? We want to bring everybody into the father's house. And we can. It's like that story you told before about the patient that went to the practitioner and was saying a whole bunch of stuff. And the practitioner said, if you make me believe it, we're both sunk. Exactly. You make me believe that we're both sunk. Because some people will be quite adamant about their problems. And, you know, you just don't understand how bad it is. <laughs> so uh, stay out of the Adam dream. Do not get pulled into it. And don't be part of it yourself. And if you're going around and around with fearful negative thoughts, then you have, you're in it. You're in it. <clears throat> so... Jeremy, what is the golden text for today? Isaiah, arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Thank you. And then it goes on in responsive reading, awake, awake, put on the beautiful garments, shake thyself from the dust, arise, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck. All of this escaping the Adam dream, a dream, not true. Don't be impressed. It, it, but it doesn't mean, oh, just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, that's just a dream. I don't really care about this. No, you handle it till you no longer see it or experience it. We were talking. Sure, go ahead, oh. Zary. Go ahead, Zary. <clears throat> Something really beautiful I have to share with everybody happened. On Tuesday last week, I was told, I looked at my email too late, that a class would not take place of drawing with fountain pens in English because it, I, it was listed as being in English. I sent the woman an email and said you could offer the class in German. On Friday, just before the class was to take place, the woman got in touch with me and said the class had eight people. So seven new people had registered before there were only one. So by changing my thought and not getting into this belief of lack and not having enough, I just immediately changed my thought. I was uh, singing hymns to myself and just letting it go and not concentrating on it. So I'm just very grateful that what we've been talking about today is exactly what I experienced. Thank you. Thank you very much. A good example. Mrs. Eddy says, Verity's right at hand. Truth's right at hand. You, you close your eyes to the reality of being by your, your thinking of all the things in the Adam dream, all that list of things we gave a week ago. Um, so you don't see what's right before you, including right supply right there in front of you. 
it's interesting the subtle ways that will outline things and not really realize that. So. Yes, you don't even know you're doing it because it's so part of what you've always done or your parents did or whatever. You have to say, break that claim, that mes- mesmeric thinking. Right, there's that saying, you know, which some people um, like to uh, point out that oftentimes we are our own worst enemy. Yes. Well, hand down. <laughs> yeah. When we succumb to the mortal dream, we become our own worst enemy. So stop being your own worst enemy and let God care for you. You know, the description in the apocalypse of the New Jerusalem is just beautiful. <laughs> and and so yes. See see the beauty. And and Mrs. Eddy says, and I'm sure all of you have appreciated this too, as you grow in science, the world is much more beautiful, right? It's Absolutely. not ugly. More beautiful. I'm always wondering how I missed it before. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, a narrow view, a too narrow view, a materialistic view, will never see the grandeur and the beauty of God's creation. That's why to to view the earth from a picture sent from a satellite kind of changes your perspective. Mrs. Eddie says she looked out from the stars. When you do that, you can see the beauty of God's creation a little more clearly. Yes. And that's why I was so excited about that James Webb telescope, because it just reinforced the beauty of the universe. Go ahead, Florence. No, I'm going to say it's also important to make sure that you're really living what you're learning, because you can be professing it for years and think that you're living it that way, and you're not. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're self-mesmerized just because you say the words, but you're really not living it. You still hate your Aunt Tilly or, you know, you're frustrated or this or that. or So you're not living it, and then you wonder why you don't have the success that could be yours. And you can't go around with blinders on. If you do, you, you miss so many beautiful things. I'm beginning to really realize that a lot. Yeah. God has given us beautiful things to behold and to enjoy. And we all have, we all can express the synonyms of God. Um, Nothing can ever take that away. And as you do, you will find more and more good coming into your experience. You have to start somewhere. You know, even if you're in a feeling miserable in a little hovel, you can always sing of him, praise God. Express gratitude. You'd be surprised what that'll do to lift you out of any situation. I remember one time I was feeling very low. I'd let myself really get sucked into everything that was going on in the world. And it was it was like that great weight on the shoulders. But the thought had come to me. It's like it, nothing in the world can stop you from expressing God. Like it, nothing stops you from shining light in the grocery store or being kind to your neighbor or random stranger or, you know, doing everything that you need to do during the day. Nothing can stop that. And it was, that really helped me to kind of lift some of that mesmerism because I realized, yeah, the only, the only person standing in the way of me is me. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's it. And no one, no one can stop. And yes, absolutely true. And the only person really standing in the way of you is a mortal sense of you. And that's what we have to get rid of. Mortal sense of ourselves. That's the challenge. Yeah, and and that's, you know, what we're going to get into soon, too, about what does that mean to be the image and likeness of God? I mean, that is such an awesome statement. We say it so glibly. But do you really think about what that means? I mean, good grief. The image and likeness of God Almighty? Holy Moses. <laughs> but before we go there, <laughs> I just wanted to say a little more about the light. Carrie sent me some good articles about that. One was, um, arise and shine for thy light is, light is come. And then the author says, we must arise if we would shine. Reflect God. And after we have arisen, we are bound to shine. So you you got to get out of that Get up, get out of that sick bed of negative thoughts. Arise. Rise in the strength of spirit to resist all that is unlike good. Mary Baker Eddy. Get up, get out of there. And then you start hearing the angel messages and you shine. And you know, you know when you meet a person whose face is shining, don't you? Oh, I, I, more on that Harvard study about happiness well they i mentioned probably a few months ago now but anyway so now they now they decided they were going to call people who are very happy and find out how in the world are they very happy (laughs) they called them up on the phone and guess what the majority of the very happy people guess what they had good thoughts yes and they believed in god they believed in god a strong belief in God. So there you go, Harvard. <laughs> all, all of that research and probably how much money to tell you something that we here all know. <laughs> that you're very happy when you believe in the Father. And no matter how bad seems, things can seem to get, you always know that he's there and the way out is there. And that all is well because he made a beautiful universe. So we arise and shine, and then in an article by McCracken, he says that sooner or later, this spiritual understanding, which is light, is destined to flood the consciousness of everyone with its penetrating rays. The dark corners of doubt and rebellion are even now being illumined. The lurking places of disease are being purified. Misunderstanding of God's true nature and suspicion concerning his real motives are yielding to a joyous recognition that he is all good and all powerful at the same time and that man is his image and likeness, lives and moves and has his being in good. The appeal for more light is, re- is, is receiving a final answer and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, so what does being the image and likeness of God mean to you? Uh, I just I feel like um, the disposition is the kind of disposition of positivity and certainty and all good is possible that God has. And the image, I've always felt that I can expect 
that everything about me and uh, is healthy and, and capable. So that's where I start. I'm Thank sure you. there's a lot more to it. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Thank you. Who else? Certainly you all must think about it. I'll start calling names. If you <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like I said a few weeks ago, I, I, I think of myself as the expression of soul quite often. And what that means to me is I wake up in the morning and I know God's going to on. So, what, you know, whatever he tells me to do, I do. So. Thank you. That's what, expressing that oneness with God. I think using the synonyms is really best for me. Uh, because each synonym has Well, I mean, I, you know, working with a synonym to me makes it very clear. God as mind and what is all these attributes of mind and then of, of spirit. That and throughout, through and to love. And that really makes me... I love the fact that Mr. Sadie explained what God means and not just somebody sitting somewhere. So it makes the image and likeness spirit only. It makes me think of myself that way. I see what the attributes of the synonyms are. Thank you. That's what I do too. I work with those often, all, you know, really all every day you should. What does, what does that mean? It, it constitutes a good watch. And start off for yourself, but then community, nation, world. Mm -hmm. Bring, well, bring make, those things yeah. home. And it makes it so practical. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I talk to people every once in a while. And it's, 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 you know, it's, it's enlightening to me to find that there are so many people whose concept of God is incomplete or even wrong wrong yeah and and it's no wonder people get confused or even have a negative attitude towards the word god you know if they had some right wrong concept of it crammed down their throat as a child or what you know whatever so having the right understanding of who and what god is is really it, it's uh, it's essential and it is for me it's the cornerstone of this science it is what makes science totally totally practical and useful to recognize that you are the image and likeness of truth of life itself of love of principle that's that's who and what you are because that's what God is. That's why to, again, go over that definition of God in the glossary, which gives you the seven synonyms, mm -hmm. uh, is powerful. And apply it to yourself. And think about all, as Florence said, all those attributes of each synonym. And then also the definition of man in science and health is beautiful. You're not made up of brain, blood, bones, and other material elements. Um and that's your biography. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I said science and health is your biography. 
But you've got to work this. You've got to work it. You've got to go deep in it. You can't just glibly say, I'm the image and likeness of God. And that statement has been very, very, very seriously misused. Where a parent will glibly say that to a child with no understanding or say it about themselves when you're committing all kinds of uh, sins, truly sins, and yet keep saying you're the image and likeness of God. Well, you are not. Well, a child of God, right? That's also used a lot. What does that mean, really? What does that mean? You have to live up to. Uh, You can look up, I think one time I did it, it was a long time ago, but looked up a child of God, you know, uh, all all the things you're to do if you are a child of God. Um, One big one in the Sermon on the Mount is to love your enemies, if you want to be a child of God, that's what Christ Jesus says. So, in other words, if you're not loving your enemies, whoops, <laughs> not really a child of God. <laughs> I mean, there's usually the what is the yin and the yang of it. If you want to be something, you've got to do something, right? You can't just measure it. <laughs> do it. Um, this is what has given Christian Science such a terrible name. People who just think you can say it and then do whatever you want to, or they don't understand that it it is, as Florence said earlier, the living. You've got to live it. That's connecting the dots. You've got to do it and be it. And that takes work. It's not rocket science either. Um, You know, that means if you're, well, say our friend Kane in the lesson, what happened to him? became envious of his brother. He became envious of his brother. Now you can read the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. You can read Signs and Health. You can do all those things, but then, uh-oh, <laughs> here's somebody who <laughs> seems to be in a lot better than I am, and God seems to like him better than me, so I'm going to kill him. That's a big whoops. So, this 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 puts you out of uh, dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of your life to put you in the Adam dream. Be a vagabond, is that what it's Yes, <laughs> a vagabond. Exactly what you don't want to be. That's right. So stay out of that. Stay out of it. And, and that is partly how you do stay out of it. Um, this is... Something interesting about from also McCracken, an article. Carrie, did you want to say something? I guess also came instead of making what he had better. Yeah. And, and working toward being what he thought he didn't have instead of. That's right. Thank you. Um, I guess Mrs. Eddie gives that definition. Oh, yeah. McCracken says, every advancing Christian scientist hears a searching question. Hast thou been jealous of thy brother's gift? Hast thou been wroth? And hast thou countenance fallen? Because thou hast seen in another and hast not demonstrated in thine own life that which Abel typifies. Which the definition is watchfulness, self-offering, surrendering to the creator, the early fruits of experience, science and health. Human consciousness is exposed to the danger of harboring Cain. 
Merely naming the name of Christian science does not master this inclination. But the spiritual understanding for which Christian science stands for does uncover it and provides the remedy. Mrs. Eddy says about Cain, he is the type of mortal and material man conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. He is not the type of truth and love. Material in origin and sense, he brings a material offering to God. So, and then instead of, as Linda just said, working to be better himself, he becomes jealous and enraged at someone else who seems to be doing better and kills him. So, yeah, I thought about the parable of the talents. The talents were unequally given out in the parable, but you know, the one with the two still improved his talents. Even he didn't complain. I should have gotten five talents. I only got two. He did something with the two. Thank you. Very. And I think that's a lesson there too. It's just you know, it's like okay, stop worrying about how many other talents someone else has. Improve the ones that God did did give you. Thank you. Absolutely. And you all, you all have, all have been given the ability to love as, as God's child. You've all been given the ability to be grateful. Take whatever little tiny thing you think you have and build on that. Some people who have a whole bunch of talents end up doing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasted talents. Wasted waste. talents. While the one with just one or two talents really works in bills and is grateful and um, you see them rise, 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 rise. But we have talents for the purpose of expressing love to our fellow man. That's what that's what business is all about. You have a talent, you provide something for others thank you um there was another interesting article carrie sent i can't seem to find it at the moment but it was about being alone you know that sometimes you feel like oh you just want to be alone if you're alone you'll be closer to god um it brings out well if you put yourself in the closet in deep prayer yes but just to be alone I mean, I've known people who are alone and are tormented with all this negative thoughts, right? <laughs> You're not alone with God. You're not alone with God. You've got to be alone with God. And and if you have that, you can be as Jesus was in the multitudes, right? And be at peace. That's one thing we talk about watching the chosen, wherever he was, all these people clamoring around him or being even thrown, trying to throw him off a cliff. He's never disturbed. It's so beautiful to see. Oh, gosh. It is quite the example. And then in this article, it ends with that really aloneness, unless you're helping others, it's not really good to be alone. Right? And that's just what Gary was saying. It can be terrible. Mrs. Eddie talks about it, uh, something about royal solitude or something like that. (laughs) No, we were not meant to be an island in the ocean. Because when, you know, that's why we have churches. 
so we can rub elbows, we can look out for one another, we can, uh, you know, help one another. Because, you know, when you're with others, sometimes they can help you. And if you're in the right mind, you can help others. And, and there's that, nothing more satisfying than helping others. Yes. And that was, I, guess, I think it was in last week, what uh, Florence read, that prayer about, you know, that, what did Mrs. Eddy say? That was the rock of her being, right? Um, yeah, the reason for her existence. Yes, the reason for existence, to share this operative science with others. You need to have a reason to get up in the morning. And it... <laughs> If it's, you can't, if it's just trying to please yourself. I mean, even if it's just to get up and walk your dog or something, but you got to do something for something, somebody else to feel a sense of motivation. So anyway, well, I trust all of these things are going to help you on a day-to-day basis. Stay out of that Adam dream, not be sucked into it, not be impressed by it, to pray for it, as we saw in that example of Elizabeth Earl Jones but not to make it a reality, to know who and what you are as God's image and likeness. Um, and by doing that, you will arise and shine and be awake and be an example to help others. And yes, it's a, a reason for your existence. So we're going to end now on this. I know you all know it, but I love this poem. Someone sent it to me years ago, Genesis 1 or Genesis 2. By Jay Woodruff Smith, and it goes, where did it begin, this idea called you, in Genesis 1 or Genesis 2? Which one of these concepts will prove to be true? If you know what is what, do you know who is who? In Genesis 1, in the 26th verse, there's a man with never a taint of a curse. But in Genesis 2, in verse number 7, there's a dust man conceived. He'll never see heaven. So it really comes down to which one you will claim. What thou seest, thou beest. So what is your name? There they both stand. Which one is you? Immortal man one or mortal man two? If you're immortal man, you know what you're worth. For according to law, you'll inherit the earth. But if you're just a mortal and made out of dust, is there anything to you that's worthy of trust? No, the thing they call man in Genesis 2 is the dream of the dreamer. It never was you. So know who you are. Take your place in the sun. You are the immortal man of Genesis 1. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank you all for joining Thank us today. You. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you so much. Thank you.